0: Welcome to another in-depth exploration of biblical missionaries written by Borge Schentz edited for audio and produced by the ambassador group exploration 7 jesus the master of missions
1: here is our theme text for this exploration again jesus said peace be with you as the father has sent me I am sending you, John chapter 20, verse 21, New International Version. According to Scripture, a core activity of the Trinity is mission. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are involved in saving humanity. Their word began at the fall and continues through until the end. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit will then restore this redeemed world to full unity. With the divine will. According to the Gospels, Jesus underwent the radical change into human form necessary for his mission to succeed. In Jesus Christ, the meaning of history comes into focus, the total mission activity of God becomes coherent, and the deepest needs of humans for meaningful existence are fulfilled. In the New Testament, we discover the purposes of the incarnation of Jesus Christ. We find here how he outlines the program for mission, and we get glimpses of how Jesus met people from other nations, people of other faiths. In the Word of God, we can see the incredible saving activity of God on behalf of fallen humanity. ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me his prisoner, but share with me in the sufferings for the gospel according to the power of God, who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace which was given to us in Christ Jesus before time began. Besides being great texts about the futility of salvation by works. These texts reveal the eternal nature of salvation. They show that the plan for our redemption has been formulated long, long ago. So it is no wonder that all through the Old Testament Jesus Christ is revealed in one way or another. Especially powerful are the prophecies, which clearly show that Jesus is indeed the Messiah. We will now listen to five Old Testament texts all applied to Jesus. Here is the question to be answered. What do these texts say about Jesus and his role as Messiah? Our first Old Testament text is Isaiah 61 verse 1, which says, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, because the Lord has anointed and qualified me, to preach the gospel of good tidings to the meek the poor and afflicted he has sent me to bind up and to heal the brokenhearted to proclaim liberty to the physical and spiritual captives and to the opening of the prison and of the eyes to those who are bound daniel chapter 9 verses 24 to 27 70 weeks of years or 490 years are decreed upon your people and upon your holy city, Jerusalem, to finish and put an end to transgression, to seal up and make full the measure of sin, to purge away and to make expiation and reconciliation for sin, to bring in everlasting righteousness, permanent moral and spiritual rectitude in every area and relation, to seal up vision and prophecy and profit and to anoint a holy of holies. Know therefore and understand that from the going forth of the commandment to restore and to rebuild Jerusalem until the coming of the anointed one, a prince, shall be seventy weeks of years and sixty-two weeks of years, it shall be built again with city square and moat, but in troublous times. And after the sixty-two weeks of years, shall the anointed one be cut off or killed, and shall have nothing and no one belonging to and defending him. And the people of the other prince who will come will destroy the city and the sanctuary. Its end shall come with a flood, and even to the end there shall be war, and desolations are decreed. And he shall enter into a strong and firm covenant with the many for one week, seven years, And in the midst of the week he shall cause the sacrifice and offering to cease for the remaining three and one-half years. And upon the wing or pinnacle of abominations shall come one who makes desolate until the full determined end is poured out on the desolator. Isaiah 7 verse 14 says, Therefore the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, The young woman who is unmarried and a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel, God with us. Isaiah 9 verse 6 tells us this about the Messiah. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, everlasting Father of eternity, Prince of Peace. And Isaiah 42, verses 1 to 9 reads, Listen in silence before me, O islands and regions bordering on the sea, and let the people gather and renew their strength for the argument. Let them offer their strongest arguments. Let them come near, then let them speak, Let us come near together for judgment and decide the point at issue between us concerning the enemy advancing from the east. Who has roused up one Cyrus from the east, whom he calls in righteousness to his service and whom victory meets at every step? He the Lord subdues nations before him and makes him ruler over kings. He turns them to dust with the sword of Cyrus and to driven straw and shaft with his bow. He, Cyrus, pursues them and passes safely and unhindered, even by a way his feet had not trod, and so swiftly that his feet do not touch the ground. Who has prepared and done this, calling forth and guiding the destinies of the generations of the nations from the beginning? I, the Lord, the first, existing before history began, and with the last and ever-present unchanging God, I am he. The islands and coast lands have seen and fear the ends of the earth tremble they draw near and come they help every one his neighbor and say to his brother in his tiresome idol making be of good courage so the carpenter encourages the goldsmith and he who smooths the metal with the hammer encourages him who smites the anvil saying of the soldering that is good and he fastens it with nails so that it cannot be moved. But you, Israel, my servant, Jacob, whom I have chosen, the offspring of Abraham, my friend, you whom I, the Lord, have taken from the ends of the earth and have called from the corners of it and said to you, You are my servant. I have chosen you and not cast you off, even though you are exiled. Now that we have heard the five Old Testament references, What did these texts say about Jesus and his role as Messiah? The prophet Isaiah describes the mission of Jesus with these words. Here is my servant whom I uphold, my chosen one in whom I delight. I will put my spirit on him and he will bring justice to the nations. I, the Lord, have called you in righteousness. I will take hold of your hand. I will keep you and will make you to be a covenant for the people and a light for the Gentiles, to open eyes that are blind, to free captives from prison, and to release from the dungeon those who sit in darkness. Isaiah 42, verses 1, 6, and 7, New International Version. Think about the incredible idea that Jesus, the Creator, took upon himself, our humanity, and in that humanity, lived and died as he did. What great hope does this offer you in a world that, in and of itself, offers no hope at all?
0: The Desire of Ages
1: Jesus Christ is Lord of both the Church and the world. His coming is a fulfillment of the Old Testament expectations of a saved community that would extend far beyond the Jewish people. The coming of Jesus, especially his suffering and the resurrection, ushered in a new age in which the distinction between Jew and Gentile, as far as the gospel is concerned, disappears. Jerusalem would remain the center, at least for a while. However, The point of departure was no longer Herod's temple in Jerusalem, but the Jews converted to Christ. They had to become the living temple. These Christian Jews would then be the true remnant of Israel at that time in the early church, the ones called to bring the gospel to the world. This announcement of the worldwide universal mission of Christ as Savior of all nations was repeated at his birth during his childhood and at his baptism. What do the following texts teach us about the universal mission of Jesus to the world? Luke 2, 8-14. And in that vicinity there were shepherds living out under the open sky in the field, watching in shifts over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood by them, And the glory of the Lord flashed and shone all about them, and they were terribly frightened. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good news of a great joy which shall come to all the people. For to you is born this day in the town of David a Savior, who is Christ the Messiah, the Lord. And this will be a sign for you, by which you will recognize him. You will find after searching a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. Then suddenly there appeared with the angel an army of the troops of heaven, a heavenly knighthood, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace among men, with whom he is well pleased, men of good will of his favour. Luke chapter two. Verses 25 to 33. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was righteous and devout, cautiously and carefully observing the divine law, and looking for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been divinely revealed, communicated to him by the Holy Spirit, that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ, the Messiah. The Anointed One. And prompted by the Holy Spirit, he came into the temple enclosure. And when the parents brought in the little child Jesus to do for him what was customary according to the law, Simeon took him up in his arms and praised and thanked God and said, And now, Lord, you are releasing your servant to depart, leave this world in peace, according to your word. For with my own eyes I have seen your salvation, which you have ordained and prepared before in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles, to disclose what was before unknown, and to bring praise and honor and glory to your people Israel. And his legal father and his mother were marveling at what was said about him, Luke chapter 3, verses 3 to 6. And he went into all the country round about the Jordan, preaching a baptism of repentance, of hearty amending of their ways with abhorrence of past wrongdoing unto the forgiveness of sin. As it is written in the book of the words of Isaiah the prophet, the voice of one crying in the wilderness, shouting in the desert, prepare the way of the Lord, make his beaten paths straight every valley and ravine shall be filled up and every mountain and hill shall be leveled and the crooked places shall be made straight and the rough roads shall be made smooth and all mankind shall see behold and understand and at last acknowledge the salvation of god the deliverance from eternal death decreed by god john 129 The next day, John saw Jesus coming to him and said, Look, there is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. No question, Jesus came as the Savior for all humanity. What does this truth mean for you in the context of mission? Prayerfully consider these empowering words written by Ellen G. White in the book Testimonies for the Church, Volume 6, on page 29.
0: The missionary spirit needs to be revived in our churches. Every member of the church should study how to help forward the work of God, both in home missions and in foreign countries. Scarcely a thousandth part of the work is being done that ought to be done in missionary fields. God calls upon His workers to annex new territory for him. There are rich fields of toil waiting for the faithful worker. Mission to the Jews.
1: I was sent only to the lost sheep of Israel. Matthew 15, verse 24, New International Version. Between his first public appearance and his crucifixion, Jesus focused his ministry almost solely on the Jewish, particularly in Galilee. The Lord addressed himself first to Israel. Before the cross, there are very few messages of good news to the Gentiles. Apparently, Jesus wanted to awaken the Jewish people to their place, purpose, and role in God's overall mission for lost humanity. Israel was to have the opportunity to be the witnesses of God's message to the world. Matthew 10 verses 5 and 6 say, Jesus sent out these twelve, charging them, Go nowhere among the Gentiles, and do not go into any town of the Samaritans. Why would Jesus say this? We understand his words in the context of the universal scope of what he came to do and in the context of missions as a whole. Contrast those words with Jesus' great commission, found in Matthew 28 19. Go then and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them into the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. When we consider the life and ministry of Jesus, we must observe a clear distinction between his thinking, ideals, principles, and planning on one side and the way he accomplished these purposes on the other. In his day-to-day life and ministry, he identified himself with Jewish culture, just as the Old Testament predicted of the Messiah. When we consider the life and ministry of Jesus, we must observe a clear distinction Between his thinking, ideals, principles, and planning on one side, and the way he accomplished these purposes on the other. In his day-to-day life and ministry, he identified himself with Jewish culture, just as the Old Testament predicted of the Messiah. But the impact of his incarnation was universally applicable. Through his death and resurrection, he would bear the sins of the world, just as John Chapter 1, verse 29, when describing Jesus to his disciples, John the Baptist declared, Look, there is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. We detect here an important biblical principle for establishing mission. The first move is directed to creating a center in order to establish a strong and stable geographical and cultural base, Israel and the Jewish people. When that has been accomplished, missions should next develop outward from the center into ever-widening expanses. Think for a few moments about your place of worship. How well does it model these ideas? That is, a strong and stable base that eventually is able to reach out to people. How can you avoid the danger of being self-oriented worrying about your own needs to the neglect of a witness and a mission.
0: Mission to the Gentiles.
1: Although Jesus spent the major part of his time among the Jews, serving them in their cultural context, he made clear in his teaching and ministry that his mission was universal. The gospel should be preached to the nations with Israel as the initial base. The salvation of the Gentiles is part of God's plan, it was embodied in Jesus' teaching. How do the following teachings of Jesus indicate a mission to non-Jewish people? Matthew chapter five, verses thirteen and fourteen: "You are the salt of the earth. But if salt has lost its taste, its strength, its quality, how can its saltiness be restored? It is not good for anything any longer, but to be thrown out, and trodden underfoot by men." You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Mark chapter 14 verse 9. And surely I tell you, wherever the good news, the gospel is proclaimed in the entire world, what she has done will be told in memory of her. Luke chapter 14 verses 10 to 24. But when you are invited, Go and recline in the lowest place, so that when your host comes in, he may say to you, Friend, go up higher. Then you will be honored in the presence of all who sit at table with you. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, ranked below others who are honored or rewarded. And he who humbles himself, keeps a modest opinion of himself, and behaves accordingly, will be exalted, elevated in rank. Jesus also said to the man who had invited him, When you give a dinner or a supper, do not invite your friends or your brothers or your relatives or your wealthy neighbors, lest perhaps they also invite you in return. And so you are paid back. But when you give a banquet or a reception, invite the poor, the disabled, the lame, and the blind. Then you will be blessed, happy, fortunate, and to be envied because they have no way of repaying you, and you will be recompensed at the resurrection of the just, the upright. When one of those who reclined at the table with him heard this, he said to him, Blessed, happy, fortunate, and to be envied is he who shall eat bread in the kingdom of God. But Jesus said to him, A man was once giving a great supper and invited many. And at the hour for the supper he sent his servant to say to those who had been invited, Come, for all is now ready. But they all alike began to make excuses and to beg off. The first said to him, I have bought a piece of land, and I have to go out and see it. I beg you, have me excused. And another said, I have bought five yoke of oxen, and I am going to examine and put my approval on them. I beg you, have me excused. And another said, I have married a wife, and because of this I am unable to come. So the servant came and reported these answers to his master. Then the master of the house said in wrath to his servant, Go quickly into the great streets and the small streets of the city, and bring in here the poor and the disabled and the blind and the lame. And the servant returning said, Sir, what you have commanded me to do has been done, and yet there is room. Then the master said to the servant, Go out into the highways and hedges, and urge and constrain them to yield and come in, so that my house may be filled. For I tell you, not one of those who are invited shall taste my supper. Matthew chapter 13, verses 36 to 43. Then he left the throngs and went into the house. And his disciples came to him, saying, Explain to us the parable of the darnel in the field. He answered, He who sows the good seed is the Son of Man. The field is the world, and the good seed means the children of the kingdom. The darnel is the children of the evil one. And the enemy who sowed it is the devil. The harvest is the close and consummation of the age, and the reapers are angels. Just as the darnel, or the weeds resembling wheat, is gathered and burned with fire, so it will be at the close of the age. The Son of Man will send forth his angels, and they will gather out of his kingdom all causes of offense, persons by whom others are drawn into error or sin, and all who do iniquity and act wickedly, and will cast them into the furnace of fire. They will be weeping and wailing and grinding of teeth. Then will the righteous, those who are upright and in the right standing with God, shine forth like the sun in the kingdom of their Father. Let him who has ears to hear be listening, and let him consider and perceive and understand by hearing. Despite the fact that Jesus ministered mainly among the Jews, there is no question that from the very start his mission was for the whole world. Right at his baptism, John the Baptist said it clearly, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. John chapter 1, Verse 29, the New King James Version. The English word world in the biblical Greek language, the original word is cosmos, occurs about 100 times in the gospel. About half of these refer to the worldwide scope of Jesus as the Redeemer. In the parable Jesus told in Luke chapter 14, verses 16 to 24, those invited made all sorts of excuses for not coming. Listen to those excuses again. But Jesus said to him, A man was once giving a great supper and invited many. And at the hour for the supper he sent his servant to say to those who had been invited, Come, for all is now ready. But they all alike began to make excuses and to beg off. The first said to him, I've bought a piece of land, and I have to go out and see it. I beg you, have me excused. And another said, I have bought five yoke of oxen, and I am going to examine and put my approval on them. I beg you, have me excused. And another said, I have married a wife, and because of this I am unable to come. So the servant came and reported these answers to his master. Then the master of the house said in wrath to his servant, Go quickly into the great streets and the small streets of the city, and bring in here the poor and the disabled and the blind and the lame. And the servant returning said, Sir... What you have commanded me to do has been done, and yet there is room. Then the master said to the servant, Go out into the highways and hedges, and urge and constrain them to yield and come in, so that my house may be filled. For I tell you, not one of those who were invited shall taste my supper. On one level, none of the excuses appeared unreasonable, did they? What lesson do you take away from this parable for yourself?
0: The Great Commission
1: Jesus spent the 40 days between his resurrection and ascension primarily in preparing the disciples and his church for worldwide evangelism. The best known and most quoted resurrection account is Matthew's. However, during this period there were other occasions during which the risen Christ could have given further details on the Gospel Commission. There were two appearances in Jerusalem two in Galilee, one by the Sea of Tiberias, one on the hilltop. And the meeting reported in Acts chapter 1, verses 1 to 14, which says, In the former account which I prepared, O Theophilus, I made a continuous report dealing with all the things which Jesus began to do and to teach, until the day when he ascended, after he, through the Holy Spirit, had instructed and commanded the apostles, special messengers, whom he had chosen. To them he also showed himself alive after his passion, his suffering in the garden and on the cross, by a series of many convincing demonstrations, unquestionable evidences and infallible proofs, appearing to them during forty days and to them about the things of the kingdom of God. And while being in their company and eating with them, he commanded them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait for what the Father had promised, of which he said, You have heard me speak. For John baptized with water, but not many days from now you shall be baptized with, placed in, introduced into the Holy Spirit. So when they were assembled, they asked him, Lord, is this the time when you will reestablish the kingdom and restore it to Israel? He said to them, It is not for you to become acquainted with and know what time brings, the things and events of time and their definite periods or fixed years and seasons, their critical niche in time, which the Father has appointed, fixed and reserved by his own choice and authority and personal power. But you shall receive power, ability, efficiency, and might when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends the very bounds of the earth. And when he had said this, even as they were looking at him, He was caught up, and a cloud received and carried him away out of their sight. And while they were gazing intently into heaven as he went, behold, two men dressed in white robes suddenly stood beside them, who said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand gazing into heaven? This same Jesus, who was caught away and lifted up from among you into heaven, will return in just the same way in which you saw him go into heaven. Then the disciples went back to Jerusalem from the hill called Olivet, which is near Jerusalem, only a Sabbath day's journey, three-quarters of a mile away. And when they had entered the city, they mounted the stairs to the upper room where they were indefinitely staying, Peter and John and James and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, James, son of Alphaeus, and Simon the Zealot and a Judas, son of James. All of these, with their minds in full agreement, devoted themselves steadfastly to prayer, waiting together with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. There are five structured occasions in the Gospels and in Acts in which the Great Commission narrative is dealt with from various angles. On a mountain in Galilee, we read about the occasion in Matthew 28, Verses 16 through 20. Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed, and made appointment with them. And when they saw him, they fell down and worshipped him. But some doubted. Jesus approached, and breaking the silence, said to them, All authority, all power of rule in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go then and make disciples of all the nations baptizing them into the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you all the days, perpetually, uniformly, and on every occasion, to the very close and consummation of the age. Amen. So let it be. Another occasion happened at a table. Mark chapter 16, verses 14 to 16. Afterward. He appeared to the eleven, apostles themselves, as they reclined at table. And he reproved and reproached them for their unbelief, their lack of faith, and their hardness of heart, because they had refused to believe those who had seen him, and looked at him attentively after he had risen from death. And he said to them, go into all the world and preach and publish openly the good news, the gospel to every creature of the whole human race. He who believes, who adheres to, and trusts in, and relies on the gospel, and him whom it sets forth, and is baptized, will be saved from the penalty of eternal death. But he who does not believe, who does not adhere to, and trust in, and rely on the gospel, and him whom it sets forth, will be condemned. Another occasion was in the upper room, John chapter 20, verses 19 to 23. Then on that same first day of the week, when it was evening, though the disciples were behind closed doors for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace to you. So saying, he showed them his hands and his side. And when the disciples saw the Lord, they were filled with joy. Delight, exaltation, ecstasy, rapture. Then Jesus said to them again, Peace to you. Just as the Father has sent me forth, so I am sending you. And having said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. Now, having received the Holy Spirit and being led and directed by him, if you forgive the sins of anyone, they are forgiven. If you retain the sins of anyone, They are retained. Another occasion took place on the beach in John chapter 21, verses 15 to 17. When they had eaten, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, do you love me more than these? With reasoning, intentional, spiritual devotion as one loves the Father, he said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you that I have deep, instinctive, personal affection for you, as for a close friend. He said to him, Feed my lambs. Again he said to him the second time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me with reasoning, intentional, spiritual devotion, as one loves the Father? He said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you, that I have a deep, instinctive, personal affection for you, as for a close friend. He said to him, shepherd, or tend my sheep. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me with a deep, instinctive, personal affection for me as for a close friend? Peter was grieved, was saddened and hurt that he should ask him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you, that I have a deep, instinctive, personal affection for you as for a close friend, Jesus said to him, Feed my sheep. And the last occasion was just as he was taken up into heaven, recorded in Acts chapter 1, verses 6-9. to 9. So when they were assembled, they asked him, Lord, is this the time when you will reestablish the kingdom and restore it to Israel? He said to them, It is not for you to become acquainted with, and know what time brings, the things and events of time and their definite periods or fixed years and seasons, their critical niche in time, which the Father has appointed, fixed and reserved, by his own choice and authority and personal power. But you shall receive power, ability, efficiency, and might, when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem, and all Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends, the very bounds of the earth. And when he had said this, even as they were looking at him, he was caught up and a cloud received and carried him away out of their sight. What key points do all these incidents have in common? Each occasion, under the power of the Holy Spirit and obeying the words of Jesus, the apostles quickly spread across the ancient world. Paul preached on the northern shore of the Mediterranean, Philip worked in Samaria, according to early Christian tradition, and Matthew traveled to Ethiopia and Thomas to India. Though starting out small and with so much opposition, through the grace of the Lord, these faithful followers were able to spread the gospel message to the whole world. Whatever their faults, weaknesses, fears, doubts, and struggles, they accepted the call and worked for the salvation of the world. That is, what they learned about Jesus, what they got from Jesus, they sought to share with others. Isn't that what being a Christian is all about? What have you been given in Christ? How does God's gift to you through Christ influence your attitude toward witness and mission to others?
0: Let's continue exploring.
1: According to Matthew, Jesus foretold that this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. His words are written in the gospel according to Matthew chapter 24, verse 14, New International Version. At the same time, the scriptures make another point clear. But of that day and hour knoweth no man, no, not the angels of heaven, but my Father only. Matthew 24, verse 36. Note also Jesus' words. It is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority. Acts chapter 1, verse 7, New International Version. Thus, while the good news of the gospel has been preached, and is being preached as never before. And while we believe that Christ's coming is soon, we must not get caught up in dates and speculating about dates.
0: We are not to be engrossed with speculations in regard to the times and the seasons which God has not revealed. Jesus has told his disciples to watch, but not for a definite time. His followers are to be in the position of those who are listening for the orders of their captain. They are to watch, wait, pray, and work as they approach the time for the coming of the Lord.
1: Those are the words of Ellen G. White. In her book entitled Selected Messages, Book 1, page 189, Here are a few thoughts and questions for you. Despite the clear teaching on not setting dates for Christ's return, hardly a year goes by before we hear something in the news about some group of Christians setting a date for Christ's return. Why do you think people do this? Other than as a good fundraising technique. After all, if Jesus is coming on June 19 of next year, or fill in any date you want, then what good is your money now? Why is it bad for the Christian witness in the world when these dates, year after year, are shown to be false? Think of the obstacles the early believers faced in the first few years of mission, especially considering that they were so small in number. What are some of the obstacles we face in mission today? What can you learn from the success of the early church that can help you do what you have been so clearly called to do
0: ambassadorgroup.org thanks for listening